Blog Talk Radio. The snip, snap, the schnibby, the schnibby to the schnee, snap, schnabby, you don't stop. The rap, the cockle to the Neil Boogie, that yeah, the Neil Boogie, Neil Cockle Beats. For those hardcore hip hop heads out there, that was Rapper's Delight played backwards. I figured since we're a little backed up and, and backwards today, uh, for the July 1st, 2008 edition of Rebel Guard Radio, I am KZ, your host. But I think I may be dropping that name. I may be going by my shoot name, but we'll we'll think about that. I have online my co-host, my brother from another mother that I have not seen forever, Alex Saint. What's up, bro? Hey, what's going on? Oh, it's good to have you back on the air, man. I've been getting lonely. <laughs> I'm totally out of the man. I'm not even going to lie. I have uh, no idea what's going well, on anymore. Well, you know what, though? We'll, we'll talk about this past weekend. Um, how How was the New Wave show? The oh, the new down. wave show. Uh, from what I saw, it was a good show. I mean, uh, a lot of, from what I, what I understand, a lot of people like the show or whatever. So uh, I guess it was successful. What was that? What about that fucked up referee? That oh movie? yeah. God. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what. <laughs> I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out what it, what uh what he was. If he was trying to sabotage the show, or if he was just bad, or what it was. Where the, I, the I new wave they, office is investigating it. I, I think they would have did better if they would have brought in the masked Joe Bear to referee instead of that goof. Oh, uh, something. I think the weekend just had the broom referee. <laughs> there you go. Well, but before we go any further, we got to uh, throw shots out to the sponsors. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com, uh, Lucha Libre DVDs, uh, SoCal Pro DVDs, T-shirts, uh, masks. Uh, I just got in the brand-new SoCal Pro Wrestling T-shirt. Uh, it's really nice. Um, Jeff does really good work. Um, I strongly suggest any SoCal Pro show from this year. Adam Pierce and SoCal Crazy have been just tearing it up, either together or in other matches. I can't say enough. Um, that's it, WrestleWarehouse.com and FogCityWrestling.com. They have uh, a some breaking news on August 1st, and that's all I'm saying. And I have the feeling it's regarding local TV. So... Um, yes, they canceled their show this coming weekend, which kind of stinks, but we haven't heard any news from uh, the powers that be, so I have nothing new to uh, to share, but you can get all the all the news on Fog City Wrestling at fogcitywrestling.com. Okay, enough of the crap. All right, well, we're back. Um, so um, the, one of the biggest news news uh, news items you know in, in the world of, uh, of of wrestling news is the merger of Figure Four Weekly and Wrestling Observer. What uh, what are your feelings on the on the merger, Alex? I thought you were talking about CM Punk. Numbers. I thought you were talking about CM Punk winning the world title. Oh, that's cool. I get to read observers now. That's cool. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's um, cool. It's it's great that that you know we're able to get the observer. You know that's awesome. And uh, but I think that that other aspects of of the the other side of the fence have have taken a hit and. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I mean, my show's been blowing Mr. Mr. Alvarez's show out the water, as far as having on guests and whatnot. And you know, I'm I don't, you know, I'm not putting myself over. I mean, I go out and I do the work. I'm not saying that Brian has not, but it's not, it's it's not fair to take away content and add other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. They just they got. Uh, I guess I don't know if you're if you're not a member, I'll just suggest signing up or whatever. But I mean, it just got to a point to where 
there's a lot of content formula. I couldn't keep up with it all, and now it seems more a little bit more manageable. And I don't have a problem with it. I've never really had a problem with the website ever. So that's why I continue to get a month, lot of brother. Ten bucks a month, you get at least four observers. Sometimes more. You get a back issue a week, and then you get the figure four, which is a different look. So I mean, it's great from news, but for those of us that are marks for audio, you know, you know, we're losing out. But also, we get the 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 Wrestling Observer Radio with Dave and Brian, where they talk about current stuff, and you know. So I mean, it, it, there's a there's a there's a change off, but then that's where us quote unquote podcasts get to you know cover the cover the rest of the load. But that's okay. I'll take the listeners. I don't care. And I'm sure that uh, Jeff would take the hits on his website as well. So fuck them. <laughs> we'll come out on top of this merger. But you mentioned your boy CM Punk transitioning. Oh. Oh God, I don't, I don't know what, what, I don't know. It, it looks like they're trying to push like uh, Rhodes and uh, DiBiase's kid and and uh, Punk and Kofi and all these kids are all at the same time. And I don't know. It, it, I just it's gonna be interesting to see where they take it. And uh, they're trying to change, but I don't know. It's just gonna be interesting. You know what I mean? They're trying to change, and I don't know. I don't know what it means. I don't like to. I mean, I don't know CM Punk. I can't say I don't like him. I just I was never a fan of. Punk, so obviously I'm a little bit disturbed that he was the man chosen, you know. While my boy MVP is doing dark matches again, but um. Oh man, we'll see what happens. I I have the feeling that they're going to go with a with a Punk MVP um title title program later on. Wasn't Sam Punk the Raw champion? Oh yeah, huh? Well, they didn't yeah. they move MVP over to Raw too? No. No, I'm MVP's confused, still though. SmackDown. Yeah, I'm I'm confused. I'm pretty sure MVP's still on SmackDown though, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what what uh what all happens. It's just interesting how now they're pushing all these people all at once, and time will tell what'll happen. But I mean, it's just uh, it's interesting. Oh, let's uh. Okay. Cool. All right, let's see. We're waiting on Pretty Boy Doug Summers to call in. Um, so what else happened on Raw? I I didn't watch the show. I don't watch the show, so I. I don't. You know, I, I don't get cable. That's the only thing I uh, heard about was uh, the the CM Punk title win. And Kofi Kingston winning the other night. Oh yeah, Kofi Kingston win. Kofi Kingston winning at the pay per view. Oh uh, man, all we need now is for uh, Evan Evan Airborne to. To get a title or something, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how they're swapping around, and you know, it's kind of kind of weird that they're pushing all these young guys at once. But that's good. New blood's new blood. So, New know. Japan sucks now that Tanahashi's gone. <laughs> He'll be back for the Jeez. G1. Oh, He'll be back for the G1. Just, Relax. I'm looking at all these shows, and they just look so uninteresting. Well, I, I know that you 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 know, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. But when uh, Mr. Carl Anderson comes back to the states, first thing of business, first order of business is having Carl on the show. And um, that's for you. That's my gift to Alex Saint for you putting in all your hard work um, for all these months, especially the few months that you've been absent from your co-hosting duties. But <laughs> we are going to have the machine gun on, and we have confirmed for the 8th of July. Mr. Max Payne, which should be a fun interview. Um, Ask him gonna, what happened to his uh, his, his tape. Nope. 
No, no we're not going can't there. Talk about, uh, I can't talk not, about it. I I assume there's a no no uh, there's a gag order there. I'm assuming. Oh man. Oh man. So, oh man. We got to get that off the record then and break it. I wonder what happened to his damn tape. Well, I'm not going there. Oh, I mean, because we'll, there's we'll there, there's we'll enough to talk to Daryl about all kinds of different stuff. So, you know, I mean, he he did break in in the New Japan Dojo. Oh, so I mean, you know, there's there's enough to talk to him. You know, the WCW stuff with the Nasty Boys was just great, great, great stuff. You know, and and his forgettable run in the WWF. You know, but there's there's all kinds of stuff to talk to him about, and and uh, this Thursday we have uh, the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez on. For the first hour, and in the oh. second hour we we will have the newest WWE developmental uh, signee, Mr. Brian Cage, on to uh, discuss when he's going to Florida. Of all uh, uh, all the guys that were in California uh, that that uh, we're getting looks at, it's just shocked that they only signed one. Jeff, turn down your damn computer. I just want to say. To everybody who is listening, I apologize to everybody for KZ that Alex Saint has returned to Rubber Guard. Oh, look at this. I think it's a shame. He's a bum, and he doesn't deserve to be on the radio. <sighs> and hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff I, I hope you burned your referee shirt. That's all i got to say. And, and he's a better. He doesn't even have a referee shirt. He doesn't even have a referee shirt. What did he wear? A WrestleWarehouse.com t-shirt? Nah, he's wearing an LOI shirt. Oh, even worse. <sighs> I was I was promised for for anybody who was not there. Uh, uh, there was a uh, a new wave pro wrestling show this past weekend. I was promised a referee shirt by the owners, uh, who should be named nameless because they should be ashamed of themselves for not supplying a referee shirt. Uh, they were shorter refs, and I filled in. <sighs> there you go. Never seen a referee laugh in the middle of the ring until this Saturday, and then uh, to see referee Justino laughing in the middle of the ring. Uh. Well, you know what though? It could have been worse. It could have been Steve Cactus Jack. <laughs> oh, Cat Cactus! Cat Cactus is getting his uh, his uh, Cactus is getting a shout out on Rubberguard. He's getting his tryouts at uh, WCWA shows and. Hey, maybe he's earned his stripes. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe in a little while he can uh, work his way up to a new wave show. Well, he, hey, he worked he worked he worked at SoCal Pro Riot Show that was at Qualcomm. Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? There you go. Oh yeah, there you go. That's what we need. Uh, I, deaf, dumb, and blind referees. So. I I am just kidding. It's nice to hear you back, Alex. <laughs> I know you miss me, Jeffrey. <laughs> Shit. Not hardly. So, Jeff, what do you think of CM Punk winning a world title? Uh, I cannot give any uh, input. I did not watch any wrestling this weekend. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> Except I for New Wave Pro. I have to my way and see it. So. What did you think about the New Wave Show? What do you think about the New Wave Show, Jeffrey? I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, as you saw, I, I did uh, laugh a few times in the ring. Uh <laughs> Which meant that I was probably having some fun. <laughs> I saw Paul uh, stop uh, Devin Sparks in the first match. Devin, uh, Paul's got a mean shot on. Uh, Paul uh, 
did get a, a nice chop in there. It looked like he was having some fun doing it. <laughs> uh, poor Devin. He got beat up. Yeah, and we're, I think we're selling DVDs of this show. I think uh, the, the powers that be in New Wave are preparing DVDs of this show. Oh, oh really? Fucking time, guys. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, I want footage. Fuck. I know there are other people that want to see your, your at least your work, Alex. I I can't talk about the other the other. Oh role. God. Okay. Oh. There, there is Chimera on the card, so you know I'm marking there. So. Oh God. <clears throat> I gotta get. Well, that's everyone talking about that, that ladder match. Let's talk about it, brother. Break it down. I didn't see it. <laughs> well, it happened. Everyone's talking about it. And I want to see it. <laughs> I'll wait for the DVD just like everybody else. So who survived? Uh, Everyone survived. All right, guys. I'm going to get going, so I'll talk to you guys later. Jeff, stay here. Have fun. Cool. I saw everyone hurt hurt the show, though, so I knew it had to be brutal. So So, uh, SoCal Crazy won the title, yeah? Yeah, SoCal Crazy got the title on Rodden Rodney Thrash. Uh, turned his back on SoCal Crazy after the match, and uh, looks like we're going to have a summer of Rod and Ronnie Thrash and SoCal Crazy. So, well, that should be fun. David and Goliath—that's always good. You know, that draws money. That—that's good if you—if it's done properly, it should be fun. Now, uh, I heard that uh, Mr. Slim decided to try to kill himself. Um, what happened? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't see the match. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, well, we need to get uh, one of the owners of uh, of uh, SoCal Pro. Jesus, <laughs> New Wave on the air to uh, break it down because I was 500 miles away. I couldn't see the show. Oh man, I was like I was 30 but, feet away. I couldn't see the show. But I'll tell you, I heard I heard from the grapevine that everybody from top to bottom on that card, referees, even Benny, the big ring announcer, everybody worked hard and everybody put in you know 120 percent. And I have to give everybody credit for that. Um, that's that's all that we can ask is you guys go out and fucking work and, and, and do your best. And, you know, no one got hurt and you guys put on a good show. Um, how's, how was the crowd? Were were they hot? Oh, man, yeah. Uh, they were, yeah, there was a, always, always a real good crowd. New Wave shows, we've always been lucky with, uh, we, we get, uh, we get, we get just fans who are just, you know, into it, you know, there for you and real easy crowd and it's a real fun crowd and. Oh man, yeah, just like you couldn't ask for anything better. Tremendous, tremendous. We are waiting for Pretty Boy Doug Summers to call in, and our guest in the second hour will be Northern California performer Mr. Primetime. Um, Mr. Primetime is is ultra talented. I don't know if you've seen any of him, um, Alex, but uh, I I tend to uh, compare him as a hybrid between low key and too cold Scorpio. Um, oh, he does. Yeah, he does the gimmick, the dancing gimmick and all that fun stuff, but, you know, he's got some intense-looking kicks, and, you know, he can do the stronger style, too. He's really, really good. Uh, he needs to branch out. Um, you know, he needs to really branch out and get himself, you know, looked at. He's really, really good. You know, and, and to be honest, I don't put anybody over, even if I like them. Even personally, if I like them, I still won't put them over. you got to, you know, really, you know, catch my eye. And this kid is I can't even call him a kid. I mean, he's been around here forever. He's been around for, I would say, at least five to six years, maybe more. But, uh, yeah, he's really, really talented. And, you know, I, I can't put him over enough. He's a really good talent. <clears throat> so uh, you've been completely out of the loop. Pretty much. Completely. Pretty much out of the loop. I mean, uh, 
Yeah, uh, pretty much, yeah. Jeez, horrible. What kind of fan are you, brother? Oh, do they not man. allow you a do they not allow a dish in your on your on your military base or you can't get cable? Oh yeah. Oh they did oh they do, but I mean it's just the hassle, man. I moved and I don't it's it's just one less bill I have to pay a month, so Well, then you depend on me to supply you with your footage, so that's all good. <laughs> but I only send you the pertinent stuff. Never mind uh, Vince's product. I, I won't do it. I yeah. sorry, I can't can't do it. But Japan, that's different. So yeah, let's but talk New about Japan. What is even going on in New Japan? Nothing. They're treading water. They are treading water until the G1. So, so yeah. What about now, where, where's your gotten... boy Nakamura now? Where's your boy Nakamura? He's not. He's Fuck not doing Nakamura. That. Fuck Nakamura. You know I don't like him. I can't stand yeah. that guy. So, have you gotten a chance to watch Dragon Gate Infinity '88 with your boy? I watched some of it. I watched some of it with the with the young bucks on there. And it's just still. I mean, it's Dragon Gate. I mean, it's like once. I feel like I've seen Dragon Gate before, and I have. Mm-hmm. So I just never have the. It's just not a product I can just get into. It's just I feel like I've already seen it once. Now those guys, when they're not wrestling each other, if they're wrestling someone else, it's it's interesting, you know. But like uh, if I see them wrestle each other, I've I've seen the match, mm-hmm. and it's just wow. Yeah, I just get I get burned out. I get tired. Right now, I'm watching Tracy Smothers against Chris Candido, and that's that's awesome stuff. That's there more of my. That's more of my taste. Uh, good good, good you job go. the Young Bucks getting it over there, though. I mean. <clears throat> well, the Young Bucks are, you know, they, they fit right in. That's their style. And, oh, uh, yeah. I think, the, I, think I, I had a Shannon Ballard of the Ballard Brothers on last week, and, and he was talking about wanting to go to Dragon Gate. And I think mm-hmm. that they would fit in, too. Because uh, they're able to do that ultra fast lucha shit, so mm. you know. I was watching. I was watching. I was watching. I remember I, was, I watched a part of a Bucks match before I had to go to work, and then like they did their little opening routine. Like I'd mm-hmm. seen the routine before. I'm just like, oh my god, I've seen, I've seen this before. You know, like I don't know. Well, they're. They only had, they only got out that one match. That you know, I haven't been able to see anything else from Dragon Gate. You know, okay. it's kind of weird that they only had them in one match. On like, I got four TVs at once, yeah. and they were only in one match, and it was really disappointing. Because as far as the Dragon Gate stuff, I, I really don't like to watch. The the homegrown guys. I like to see uh, you know the the guy Jin. Of against. course, that's all that's all that's all reason I watch is Dragon Gate. <laughs> right, yeah, I watch. That's what I watch is the guy Jin against the 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 uh, the natives. So that's right. that's my thing, and um, you know it it I nothing else really you know grabs my you know grabs my attention there. So uh-huh. you know it's well, of course. I mean, that's the whole of Dragon Gate is seeing uh Seeing the American indie guys go over there and work with the the Dragon Gate regulars or whatever, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've seen the Bucks in Cal- I've seen the Bucks over here a lot, and uh, I mean, I've seen them. I mean, like, no, I mean, they're good. I mean, they're they're good at what they do, but I mean, it's just not my particular cup of tea. 
So I've seen them. I've seen them match, and they have an interesting match. And um, I, I mean, no reason for me to track down a, a Japanese DVD for me to see that match again. I've already seen that match in in California. I've seen it. But a lot of other guys, I mean, they're able to go over there, and then um, they're able to take their style and mesh it in with the Dragon Gate style, and you see something, you know, somewhat interesting, you know. Like uh, Generico, yeah. when he went over there. Generico stuff over there was real good. You know, you were able to see... Tornado stuff was Tornado stuff was fun. Tornado, Tornado was really good. Yeah. I mean, and Pac. Pac is just a freak. You know oh, what I mean? Pac, he's just yeah. a, Pac, Pac's really... Uh, I see he's got new gear. That's awesome. Yeah. He's just on his... He's on a whole different level. And, you know, he's at home in that... You know, he's just at home and... Oh yeah, uh, I remember that was one of my biggest knockoffs on Pac when he came to America. Is that uh, he had real crappy gear. Like you know, they flew him in. A gorilla flew him in as this this export from England, and then he just had the shittiest gear. And I was just like, you know, like oh my goodness, he's got new gear now. That's awesome. I'm happy for him. Because you can be, I don't know. That's like one of the first things you see. You know, when a guy comes out with gear. So if you mean you got crappy gear, then I mean it's like. You're uh, kind of setting setting the bar real low. That makes sense. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That makes sense. Yeah, I hear you, brother. I hear you. Yeah, gear has always been a huge pet peeve of mine. I, it was just something subliminal. It's not even like I remember as a kid, like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was my favorite wrestler because every match you had different oh, gear. Okay, guys. Um, Alex, can you continue breaking down Dragon Gate? I'm gonna patch in uh, Doug Summers real quick. Okay. Um, sure. Ricky Steamboat always had different okay. gear. And I liked his gear. And it was awesome. Awesome gear. He had the dragons on it. <laughs> Woo! Hold on just a Well, we're waiting on uh, Pretty Boy Doug Summers to come on the air. Uh, former AWA World Tag Team Champion with Playboy Buddy Rose. And um, had a long, interesting career. So if you're listening and you want to call in, uh, let me get the call-in number. The, that would be 347-215-7946. I'm having go. issues with my phone. Um, Alex, could I give you a number and you can uh, do a three-way call with Mr. Summers? Would it be yeah, possible? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Cool. Okay, I'm going to text you the number right now, and then uh, I'm going to hang you up. Oh, Simpson. Oh, okay. Unless, yeah, I can't do it off the air. Are you on AIM, by chance? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll hop on AIM real quick. Sorry about the delay, folks. We're uh, having technical issues here in the Rebel Guard Radio studio. In other words, uh, we're sucking. But, you know, and we're, we're better than Alvarez. Okay, let's load up the aim here, and we'll get Doug's number. All right, let's see. Okay. Oh, boy. So, uh, what other things went down on the Night of Champions? Do you remember? Night of Champions? Um, Triple H beat Cena. Yeah, which uh, is kind of surprising, but, you know, I think they're they're going to do something with, you know, a title on each... You know, 
Okay, let's see. It's, uh, I didn't see it, but, you know, I, I heard that it was, you know, a decent show. You know, nothing really special. But, uh, yeah, it'd be, be interesting. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of checking it out, but, you know, we're going to, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put Alex on hold here, and I am going to plug our sponsors real quick. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com, uh, you can get T-shirts, um, wrestling DVDs, uh, all kinds of different indie DVDs, uh, Lucha DVDs, uh, Japanese, um, pretty much anything, you know, that you want from there. Uh, they have, I strongly suggest any SoCal Pro show from 2008. Uh, SoCal Crazy has been tearing it up. Uh, Adam Pierce has been tearing it up. Baby Slim has been looking really good. Um, Jason Redondo, their champion. Um, to be honest, uh, no offense, Jason, but I really haven't gotten into your shit before this year. Uh, but that's that's different now. Um, uh, you know, I'm getting back into you. You know, I'm really liking what I'm hearing. Um, Alex, if you can hear me, hit me a name. Um, yeah, once again... Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com uh, FogCityWrestling.com <laughs> FogCityWrestling.com They had to cancel this weekend's show And uh, <laughs> They have a big announcement um, August 1st I'm not sure, I'm not privy to it But but uh, word has it that they're working on local TV So that should be fun um, You know, there hasn't been local TV here For many, many years Since the Roy Shires days actual localized TV. Uh, actually, I take that back. There was Bay Area Wrestling, uh, Woody Farmer's group for a while. Um, but other than that, you know, <clears throat> Fog City's got some stuff in the works, but, you know, hopefully things are going to work out for these gentlemen. Um, I do want to throw props out to uh, Rikishi and his family. Um, they're drawing a shitload of money out there in Europe. Um, you know, they're just making, you know, Fist over, fist over, fist over money. And on the line now, I have former AWA World Tag Team Champion, the man responsible for teaching Shawn Michaels on how to be a professional wrestler, pretty boy Doug Summers. Welcome to the show, Doug. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. It's glad to hear from you guys. I hope everything's going good out there. Well, you know, we're just yeah. talking about our local indies and, you know, the crap that we try to watch on Monday. Well, I hear you. Yeah, there hasn't been any uh, real good shows since uh, Shire did uh, his last TV out there. There you go. There you go. And that, uh, one that's of lo- 20 years. Plus. Plus. Um, well, have, well, speaking of Shires, um, have you ever been out here as far as uh, working for San Francisco? No, just, just when... Uh, the AWA went out there. We did San Francisco and L.A. We were out there once a month. We did the Cow Palace, and we did uh, Shrine Auditorium, and we did some high school out there a couple <laughs> times at the, at a field. And in I Antioch. can't remember the name of it. And it was yeah. in Antioch, and the promoter yep. was Earthquake Wayne Ferris. Or not Earthquake you got Wayne it. Ferris, uh, Scott Ferris, Earthquake Ferris. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's a name I haven't it. heard. They called him Earthquake, and he uh, he had a good deal out there, and uh, he treated the boys real good. He had he threw a party every time, 
downtown at the, uh, I think it was the Hilton, and we uh, we had a good time out there. It was fun out there. Yeah, Scott was, was a good guy. You know, as far as yes, the family was concerned, he you know he always talked to us. You know, he, oh, he, he was on, you know, sure, sure, you know, sure he kept kayfabe and all, but he also you know he had went out and he he talked with us. You know, he was one of the one one of the fans too, and you know that that's something that I respected about him. Um, whether you know he was doing the babyface thing on on AWA TV or he, he was actually heel out here for Independence away from away from Vern, he was a heel. But either way, he would still come out and he would greet the fans. And you know, he's a guy I'd like to get on the show. I, I would love he, if anybody out there has any contact information for uh, Earthquake Scott Ferris, please contact me. Uh, MySpace.com backslash Radio or email me KidZombie2000AOL.com. I would love to get Scott on the show. That would be a, a, a personal, uh, personal goodie for me. Um, well, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna start off how you broke in. Um, we're gonna skip over pretty much everything to where you where you broke in with Vern. Uh, how how did you get in with Vern? I started with Vern when I was uh, nine years old. I was putting up the rings on weekends just to go to wrestling, and uh, that's how I broke in. Just went from putting up the rings to uh, hauling the rings to refereeing and then to wrestling. So how does a nine-year-old get how does a nine-year-old get in the business by setting up rings? Very sneaky. I used to, <laughs> my, my dad brought me to my dad brought me to my first match when I was nine, and I realized there had to be a, a a truck to come down there and put that ring up on Saturdays. I went down there Saturday morning early, eight o'clock in the morning, waited until a truck showed up with the ring, and that's I got. I said, "Could I help?" And he said, "Okay, I'll give you a ticket." And uh, that's how I started. I put I put the ring up every Saturday, and then I just broke my way in from uh, putting the ring up to being a gopher, getting the cokes, and bringing the jackets to the dress room to actually hauling the ring when I grew up to uh, drive a truck, and then uh, refereeing, and then wrestling. Jeez, there you go. So I started I started from the bottom. You worked your way all the way up to a tag champ, and. Wow. I had fun. Yeah, and 40 years later, I'm still going. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, you're talking about still going. Doug, how's your body? How how you feeling right now? I feel great. I work out every day. Uh, I have a 14-year-old that keeps me going. He's I work out with him. He's a, he's a, a really a good amateur, and uh, he, he keeps me going. I work out on weekends on spot shows. I'm getting ready to uh, get myself booked out. I'm getting my name out again and I'm uh wrestling as much as I can. How much uh how much did, has the ESPN the AWA show back on ESPN helped you get your name back out there? I I hear it from everyone that they see me uh on T V and they ask how I'm doing, if I'm back wrestling, I said yes I am and I give them the information to get a hold of me and I hope people start calling because I really want to wrestle and bring back the uh old style wrestling that I do. I go out there and I bring back Matt wrestling, and uh, I enjoy doing that. I educate the people. I and educate the guys I work with. Well, I educate the guys that think. <laughs> well, we we need the older gentlemen. No, not not saying that you're quote unquote old, but you've been around the block and then some. We need those guys in the locker room. Um, a lot of indies that I've seen, there isn't that veteran presence in the locker room. That that's. Well, able I don't to mind being in. Them. I don't. I don't mind being in the dressing room, but I want to be in the ring and educate. <laughs> 
And oh, yeah, that's what that's what I that's what I do. I, I the longer I'm in there, the better I get, and the the worse they get beat up. Um, I'm I'm looking at one thing on here, and it says you were trained by Harley Race. But as you were saying earlier, uh, you were you broke into wrestling at a real young age. So I imagine a lot of different people showed you different things about wrestling. So along with Harley, who else would you consider trained you? Well, I had a guy named Buddy Wolf and Lars Anderson. They uh, they had a uh, a camp for kids in St. Cloud in the summer, a summer camp for the children, and I used to go up there and be a, and help them be a counselor. And then uh, 14 weeks of that summer, I went to St. Cloud State, and uh, they worked with me on the mats every day for about an hour, hour and a half, and they just really. They really hurt me. They they really showed me. Matter of fact, there was an NCAA uh, championship uh, tournament going, and from middle school to high school students and college students were there. They were lined up on a mat, and they just saw me get just beat up. And every thirty seconds, I'd be tapping out, hmm. and they when they jump on me and then tap out, the other guy would jump on me. After it was done, that they even said, "What are you doing? Letting them beat up on you like that?" And I said, that's the price you have to pay if you want to be a professional wrestler. And I said, this is nothing. You haven't seen nothing. And uh, I had a lot of I had a lot of wrestlers educate me and teach me. And uh, race was a good in, a good help to me. Uh, I was down in Florida, and he was down there, and uh, he was in the office, and he brought five of the best wrestlers in the world down there to uh, teach me how to uh, wrestle, hurt people, and protect the business. All right, and let, me, let I, me try this. Let me try to run them down for you. Let me see if I can guess. Bob Roop. Yep. Okay. Hiro Mitsuda. Yep. Okay. Uh, Jack Briscoe. He was down there, yep. Yep. Oh, boy. Okay, I got my three in. I couldn't get five, but I got three. Well, there was Carl Gotch, oh, there, there, was Tony go. Tr- there was Tony Charles, Boris Malenko, and there was a gentleman called Gentleman John Pulley, an Eng- another Englishman, but he was uh, about 5'6", about 180-pound, pot-bellied, buggy-whip arms, and he, could, he would hurt you. He would hurt me every, every day, <laughs> and every day for an hour to two hours, I had all of them in there, one right after another. And every every day after it was done, Bob Root would be standing in the corner with his arms folded. And he said, are you ready for me, kid? And I said, bring it on. He'd come in <laughs> and he'd bring it on. <laughs> and, and Eddie Graham would sit in the corner and say, that boy, he, he got guts. He may not be smart, but he's got guts. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was a training session for a year devoted to me to, to, to prepare me, to help me in the business, to go out there any night, protect my business when the, when the word was wrestling. If someone said something derogatory toward it, if you didn't address it and take care of it, if you were out in the bar or in the arena and you didn't take care of it, the boys would, and then the next day you didn't want to go to the pit. You didn't want to be in the pit on that day. Of, of all the, oh, I'm sorry, sir. No, go ahead. 
Of all the territories that you visited, what were your favorite territory? What was your favorite territory? My favorite territory? Yes, sir. I loved Georgia and Carolina. That's where I spent about 70% of my 20 years down south was Georgia, Carolina, Florida. Um, I enjoyed it. The, the great promoters, the Crockett's, uh, Barnett and, and Paul Jones, and then the Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were great promoters, and right, I, I truly I'm enjoyed gonna try it. This one. I'm going to try this one. Oh, Douglas, my boy. Jim Barnett. <laughs> I will tell you something about Mr. Barnett. He was one of the fairest promoters and gentlemen I've ever met. Although he was swishy on his part, he never addressed anybody that way. We all made fun of him all the time, but we all... Re- <laughs> We all respected him, and he respected everybody that worked for him. And when you worked hard, Mr. Barnett took care of you. And I worked hard, and my pay for it was that he flew me to Florida for every taping on Tuesday for Eddie Graham. And that was good for me because that, that gave me an extra payday. And I came back that night and worked the town. So I was very pleased for that. He was always fair to everybody. He was a great promoter. It was sad when Barnett got out of business in Georgia because he's he's the man that held Georgia together and part of Florida together, and he was a great promoter in uh, Australia for 20 years before he came here. But, yeah, Mr. Barnett, and a lot of guys make fun of him, but he was a fair man, and he was, a good, he was good to the boys. You're saying all these names like... I, I, I think he liked it, though, as well, long did, as you say Jim Barnett, you know, as long yeah. as you're, you know, in a good light, and, you know, and I, I've, I've rarely heard anybody bury him for being a promoter. I've never nope. heard anybody say a bad thing about him as a promoter. He was a great you know, promoter. He, he was a good fair. man, great promoter, and he paid, and he paid well, and he paid, and he paid people that, that uh, worked hard, and, uh, your your pay was based on how great you worked that night and performed, and he gave everybody an equal chance of working. And uh, Channel 17 just started back then, and I was very fortunate. I was I was really young, and I was one of the first on 17, and I remember when Turner started it, and we were there every Saturday doing three hours of taping. And uh, Mr. Barnett was there every Saturday watching it. And then after TV, you had to jump in your car, drive 100 miles to Columbus to work with Fred Ward and do his TV for two hours, and then jump back in your car and wrestle that night. And you would either be in Griffin, Georgia, or Carrollton, Georgia, or another part of Georgia. But that was a schedule that was done 52 weeks Every Saturday, you worked three shows, did maybe seven matches, and by the time Saturday night came around, you were dead. So you then, you so you started in Georgia after the the split when um what was what was the big split that happened in Georgia? Now it's slipped in my mind. Not the not when McMahon came in, but the split that happened in Georgia before that. Oh, when the Crockett's took over. No, before before the Crockett's, it was when um, it was uh, Ray Gunkel. Oli Anderson had it. Mm-hmm. Oli was Oli Oli 
Anderson was running. It was when the the Armstrongs got it, wasn't it? Casey, you know what I'm talking about? I I do, but only had it before them. In oh, 80, okay. Only had it in uh, '84, okay. and he was running Georgia, and he was running uh, Michigan, Ohio, and and uh, going up to New Jersey and that. And then the Crockett's wanted to uh, to buy it, mm-hmm. and uh, he sold it to uh, to Crockett, and Dusty was in charge then, and. Um, they came into the studio one uh, one evening, had everyone down there that they had in his area, and then Crockett's group, and uh, they were saying, "You can stay, you can stay, you can stay," and saying who could stay and who couldn't go, and who could go. And uh, they said, "You could stay, Doug." And I said, I looked at him and I said, "Nah, I don't want it." And I walked <laughs> out. It was a personal reason. I I didn't care for uh, I didn't care for Dusty at the time. And I didn't care for one of the guys they had at the time, and I just told him, "No, you can take it." And I left. And well, I, I was matter of fact, I left because I was going to Hawaii every two weeks for Arn Anderson. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Arn, but Lars Anderson. Uh, he flew me to Hawaii every two weeks. I worked two days, had five days off in the islands. It was fabulous. And then I come back and worked for Ann Gunko and Randy Rose, and I took the Georgia title. And we kept it for a year, brought that to Florida, and then after Florida, I went to uh, to Minneapolis. So wh- when were you in Mid South? I was in Mid South from I went down to Mid South in '71. Oh, okay, okay. You talking about Crockett or, or, or Atlanta? I was I was uh, no, I'm just looking at a bio of yours, and it says that you were in uh, Mid South at one point. I Mid South to me is Atlanta and and and. Uh, Carolinas. So oh. I, was down, I was down here in '69 and '70 and '71. I went up to Carolina, stayed up Carolina for a couple of years, came back to Georgia, went to Florida, back to Georgia, back to Carolina, back to Florida, back to Georgia. I bounced, and then I went to Texas, to Amarillo. I was down in the uh, the Punks territory, and then I earlier years I was up in uh, Dallas for Von Eric, and. Um, did my traveling through Texas with Orton uh, when he was when we were both young kids, and uh, I uh, broke in uh, Brody and uh, Stan Hansen, yeah. and that was a interesting task. <laughs> Just say the do, least. Do, do you have any good stories of uh, a young Bruiser Brody or a young Stan Hansen? Oh yeah, when they, uh, when I was down in Fritz's territory working, and I I was young, but I was I was really experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fritz came up to me and he said, uh, would you like to do me a favor? And I said, uh, how can I help you, Fritz? He says, well, I got two guys. They don't know nothing about wrestling, and they want to wrestle, and I need someone to teach them how to wrestle. I, I'm looking for a couple of small guys. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, we'll go out to the ring, and I'll send them out. And all of a sudden, they come out, and I see two bricks. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, this ain't going to be fun. But Bon Eric said, do it, and I did. And I, I got Brody in the ring, and I said, Brody, we're going to go this way. And I had him run back and forth from corner to corner about 50 times, hitting it. And he didn't like that, but he did it. That, that's how he and, came up with the us, that he was blown yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I made, but I made him do it, and then I backed him in the corner, and I chopped him till his chest was black and blue. 
<laughs> and uh, he just, he had that that look on his face like, he, I'm going to kill you, little guy. <laughs> I said, no, you're not. I ain't done with you. <laughs> and then I said, well, I'm not dumb enough to be in the middle of the ring and try and give you a hip toss or a back toss. So I got a wooden horse that was out in the back, and I put that wooden horse in the middle, and I let him kill the wooden horse. <laughs> he he fall on it. He broke it a couple times. I get another one. But he learned, and that's how I taught him. And for years, every time Brody and I would be in arena, he's he'd come in and said, Hey, kid, remember the time you just made me run those turnbuckles and you chopped me? And that wooden horse, I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was my, he was a good friend to me, and we, be, we were great friends, and uh, we were together a week before he, he got, uh, got killed. So, in Puerto so Rico. Doug, um, you are the one for me to personally thank for breaking in my all-time favorite worker, Bruiser Brody. I thank you, and that's from, from the bottom of my heart. Um, there, there was he was no a pleasure. He was a pleasure. He was a pleasure to work with. Uh, he was great. To, he was great to uh, train in in Dallas, and he tried to get me into the gym. And I wasn't in the gym at that time. I didn't care for going to the gym. And he was eating six, eight cans of tuna, working out and drinking water. He said, "Come here, kid. This is how you work out." And I said, "Okay." And <laughs> I said, "You go ahead." And uh, but he was he was always good. He he always remembered what I did for him and and how I helped him and. We always told he always told the story about me chopping him and do, how I did him in Dallas. But he was always a fine man, and he always stood up for the underneath guy. He was someone was given trouble. He he jumped right up and put him in their place. And uh, Brody never changed. Even uh, when Buddy and I were in Hawaii for a one-day show, we flew from Minneapolis to Hawaii for one show. We took the morning flight, got there at three o'clock, went to the beach till six got to the arena and Brody was on the show and Rick Flair came in and Jim Crockett came in and Jim Crockett was from Carolinas older and he got in there and he started running his mouth and Brody got up and he read him the riot act and he told him to get his ass out of the dressing room this is these guys show not yours and everyone just applauded Brody and he wasn't afraid of nobody to tell them the, where they had to go or what they had to do. Tremendous. And if, uh, someone was riding somebody, he straightened them out. <laughs> so, he was, okay, we, we, we know that your favorite booking office was, was Jim Barnett. Um, who was your favorite booker to work under? I, 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 uh, I'll tell you the truth. My best booker to ever work under was George Scott in the Carolinas, Mid-Atlantic. No one and, was uh, better. Yeah, I wrestled George Scott before he even went to Carolinas. We were wrestling around the country together, so I knew him before he was a booker. And he brought me into Carolina, and uh, he was good to me. I mean, I I worked. I was the uh, I was one of maybe a handful of wrestlers in the United States that could pick up a telephone and say. I'm available, and I could be booked the next day. And that was good for me because that, that's what I'd learned to do. And I was called a carpenter, a wrestler. I could go anywhere and work with anybody. And I was valuable at that time in any territory. And George took care of me. And he also fired me. 
But so and I also got so, uh, I also got back at him. So, I yeah. wonder I wonder what George Scott did why Vincent Mann's trying to erase him from history because he was the booker during that time when Vince was uh, expanding nationally, and uh, he's kind of erased him from history. He probably just didn't like George's uh, ideas or anything, but George was a. Let me tell you something. George was a genius with wrestlers because wrestlers were the geniuses in the ring, and that's all wrestling always was. And George Scott in the Carolinas took over when it was going off off stage and people were out of wrestling. They forgot what wrestling was. And everyone was making money, a lot of money. Flair was making money, Wahoo, Johnny Valentine, the uh, Andersons. Everyone was making money. And he called a meeting one day and he said, you know what, it's over with. He said, we're going back to square one. And everyone just looked, and even Jim Crockett. And Crockett has great respect for his talent and his his booker. He had to. And uh, George Scott says, you're all going to lose money for about nine months. But he says, when the people realize where wrestling, the roots came from, we're going to bring them back to it. And it was about nine months later that they realized wrestling was back, and they made more money than they ever made before. And that was because George Scott knew what the people wanted. He went back to the 50s and 60s, and the wrestling was back in the ring. Oh, wow. And George was great at that. He was a great mind. He had great wrestlers, he, all the great ideas. The geniuses in this business are the boys at work. That's how it's always been. And uh, you got to give credit to uh, Vince McMahon. He has all the geniuses working for him. And he took wrestling in a whole new direction, but it worked. It worked because he knew what he wanted to do. Wrestling changes every 10 years. Every 20 years, you got to change, and he made a change, and it's going to take another change. It's due for a new change, but Vince is the only one that knows which way it's going to go. He is the <laughs> genius. Hmm. So, I, I don't know about you, Doug, but or Alex, I, I, I personally cannot use the term writer. That term disgusts me. Producer disgusts me. A booker is a booker. An agent is an agent. That's it. What are your feelings on the difference between a booker and a producer or writer? I don't have any... Uh, I don't care about writers or producers. I am old school. Uh, my teachers were Ray Stevens, Harley Race, Buddy Rogers, Becker, Weaver, Hawk, Hanson, Johnny Valentine, Sweet... Uh, I had a... Sweet Hanson was great. He, he educated me a lot. A great, a great guy uh, named Dick Byers was a great oh. educator in the ring. My mentor that I followed and tried, uh, and tried to live up to was Nick Bockwinkel. He is he is a true gentleman. He is a true athlete. He represents this business the way it was supposed to be represented, and he still does today. And that's how I try to bring it. I I wear a suit and tie when I go to the greens now. I wear a sports a sports coat, and people look at me and say, "What what are you doing?" I said, "This is me. This is the way I've been since the '80s." 
And I follow after Nick because he is true to the business. I mean, he represents what this business is all about. And uh, that's those are the great guys that taught me how to wrestle and how to represent the business and how it should be. And the minds in the business are still the guys that have to get in the ring and do it. It's called spontaneous reaction. As it happens, your mind has to be there. Did you get, <laughs> did you get any offers um, when uh, when Vince was going national in the 80s and he started plucking the, the guys from different territories? Did you get any offers to go work for Vince McMahon? I went and worked for Vince a couple times. Okay. Uh, we just didn't see eye to eye. And, uh, and my great friend, uh, I love Dill and respect a great deal, <laughs> uh, Pat Patterson, he just said, Doug, it's got to go this way. And I said, Pat, I was educated with you. I said, you know how I have to do this. He said, he wants it this way. I said, I can't. I said, let me have, let me work for nine months. I will educate these kids. I will show them how to put a right foot over the left foot. And it, it just it didn't work out. I mean, uh, I have a lot of great friends uh, working for Vince, but uh, ring wise, I just I was too old uh, fashioned. I didn't want to do have someone tell me what to do. And the scriptwriter, mine when I go out that dressing room door, it's all me. What, whatever happens happens as it goes in the ring. Uh, I don't go. <laughs> now nah, you, you can't tell me what to do. I got to do it my own. That's what happened. So, um, how did you how did you end up uh, hooking up with Vern in in the in the mid eighties um, as a tag team partner with one of my personal favorites, Buddy Rose? How did uh, Vern oh. put you two together? Well, I'll tell you. Every year at Christmas time, I would get two weeks for Christmas, go home to my family, and every every year I would call Vern and tell him I'm coming home for Christmas, and he would book me. And uh, that year was no different. I, I went home for Christmas with my family, and I was working. And uh, I'll tell you what, Buddy and I grew up as kids in Minneapolis, and Buddy used to ride in the ring truck with me and go to towns and help put up the ring. So Buddy and I were no strangers to Vern. Uh, probably Vern was so upset because we were tag team champions because we were so good, and the fact that we grew up in Minneapolis and we were kids probably really got into his, his guts but uh, that's what happened I was home for Christmas Buddy was home for Christmas we were both on a show together Ray Stevens was in the office as a booker Wahoo was in the office and they said those guys are natural you got you got Buddy short and fat and Doug tall and lean and we were natural and Buddy and I have never worked together anywhere in, in, in the country but uh, our first match we clicked we clicked because I didn't try to updo Buddy, and Buddy didn't try to updo me. We worked as a unit, as of one. When we went out to the ring, we were just one. Uh, Buddy had great qualities, and I never tried to outdo anything Buddy could do because you can't. <laughs> no, but Buddy could go from 240 to 400 pounds and do a nip-up and a one-arm push-up. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone do it like that. And uh, I did I did certain things, and I did it well. Buddy did his things. He did it well. We just did it all good together. I mean, it just worked. And then we had Sherry, and Sherry was a blessing to us. She was fun. She worked hard, a great lady. Uh, 
and uh, we just we took it for the ride, and it was a good ride. And we had the so, kids. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Janetti was uh, were fun. They they were young kids. They they were raw. They wanted to learn. They wanted to have fun. They wanted to party. But when it, when they were in the ring, um, we took we took them, and and they never gave up. I they, mean, they, they were a lump of clay. They were a lump of clay when you guys got a hold of them. And uh, we you had, guys just molded them in, into the workers that they are today. And I, I will tell you, Shawn Michaels, you can walk up to him and you ask him, hey, who are the biggest influences in your career? He would definitely say you too. Um, because they were, you know, they were just a, a throw-together tag team. You know, we're, they were going to be Rock and Roll Express clones for Vern. You know, and they, they really didn't get over. Then they stuck them with you guys, and it was on. And that year and a half, maybe even two-year program was just, Truly amazing, and the matches still stand. Blood on the sand. It still stands the test of time. That match, the the blood match, was just. Um, Alex, you can you can jump into uh, that match. Is still etched in my mind. Um, it was. That was just, the greatest cage match ever. Oh, the man. cage match and the match, the cage match we had in St. Paul and Vegas, and the blood match and the two, the three or four blood matches we had in Vegas were the best ever. No one's ever duplicated what we've done in a cage, ever. And it's, I, I it's don't think it ever will either. It will not be because they just they just don't get it. They don't know what a cage is for. Uh, they don't know what a, a, a chain match is for. They, if you work in a cage, you got to get tore up. And we got tore up. I mean, we, went, we got our backs raked, our sides were raked, our heads were raked and cut up and bruised. Uh, I had laid on the floor, and they took pictures of my back from the, the cage of scratching our body. Marty and Sean were beat up, but that was the greatest cage match. And I've been in a lot of cage matches, and I've read a lot of cage matches with Superstar Billy Graham and Wahoo and Flair and and, and uh, Race and Henning and the Vashans and the Kamikoffs. I don't know if you're, you're not old enough to know the Kamikoffs, but back in the 60s, those were cage matches, but they they didn't stand nothing to what we did with the kids and how we uh, wrestled and all those cage matches that we had. How was it working uh, Scott Hall back in uh, the early days of Scott's career? Oh, Scott, huh. <laughs> I, I, I love him. I really do. He was he was a he was a monster. They were they were trying to make him to be uh, like um, Hercules. No, they were yeah. just trying to make him look like Hercules, and he couldn't go off his feet, and that was a bad thing to say to me. They said, he doesn't go off his feet. And Ray Stevens says, no one's took him off his feet, Doug. I said, oh, really? I said, is Vern on the other side? He said, yep. He got the headset on? He said, yep. I said, watch this. I went out, and I had my match with uh, Scott Hall in Vegas, and I suplexed him a couple of different times. I suplexed him to hell and back. <laughs> and and every time I did, I looked over that corner and I could hear Vern Gagne just going crazy. <laughs> and I said, no one's big enough that they can't be taken off their feet. And don't tell me I can't because I did. Anyone that told me I couldn't do something, I did it just to show you. And I did. But Scott always, he was hard. Buddy, when, when, Buddy and I, when we had to wrestle Scott and Kurt, he said, Doug, you get in first. I said, you, I said man, I don't like that. Because Scott <laughs> would hit you and and knock you right into the mud. And he did every night, and he apologized 
after he hit you. And then Buddy wouldn't mind getting in the ring because that first punch, after the first punch, he was okay. But I would get the first punch. And he was always saying, I'm sorry. I said, why don't you just apologize before we get in the ring because you're going to knock my dick step anyways. And he, and he did every time. I mean, every time that first punch, my head would spin around, my eyes go up, and I just oh, and I, I I hit him back as hard as I could. And but he was great to work with. He was hard. He was he was raw, but he he was good. And Kurt was uh, Kurt was just great. I grew up with Kurt and his family, and they were great guys to work with. Um, but Scott was hard. He was. He just hit you. He hit you with everything he had. But, but Buddy was smart. Buddy never got in the ring first. After I took that first hit, Buddy said, I- "I'll come in now." So I could never get Buddy in the ring first. But uh, it was great. We knew we knew so, who had to go in and who didn't. So, so did did you your personal feelings on Kurt? Did I know he was a stud when I when I first saw him uh, doing the the stuff in New York and then Portland and then ending up you know. With his with his beginning in in '84 for Vern, um, did you think that that he was going to be the stud performer that, oh, yes. that he eventually became? Oh yeah, Kurt Kurt was a nat- Kurt's a natural athlete. There wasn't nothing Kurt couldn't do. Uh, when we were on tour in Minneapolis and on tour for Vern, we did charities for the Children's Hospital and we did the baseball uh, plays and we they did the basketball. He was natural. He didn't. He didn't have to practice at anything. He was just a natural athlete. He knew how to how to get himself across and over. And you couldn't help but like him because he just he personified himself by just being good at everything he did. And he he was he didn't take himself serious. He had fun. That guy had more fun just being Kurt. And uh, and when you meet a guy like that, that's is so gifted. And, and works so natural, uh, you can't help but just say, yeah, I don't want to work with this guy. And and fly with him and party with him. We When we used to fly from Minneapolis to go to Vegas or San Francisco, he would wear shorts and uh, shower shoes. And we'd be on a full plane, and we loved to play pranks on Kurt because he, he was good for it. And we got Sherry's bright red fingernail polish, and we painted his toenails on a plane. Because when he goes to sleep, he's out. He's out until, you know, he should have been off in his ear. He won't get up. But we painted his toenails, and we told the people not to make noise. And they just, they loved it because when the plane landed, we got off that plane. People were laughing. Kurt didn't know what they were laughing at. And he looked down and saw his toenails. He said, Tremendous. Okay. Um, we've lost Doug and Alex. Uh, hopefully Alex will call back. Um, all I have to say is, wow, uh, tremendous stuff. Uh, man. Uh, well, we've we've set the table for you, Rob Feinstein. Um, it's in the works that uh, Rob will be filming a shoot interview with, with Mr. Doug Summers. So we, we've laid the groundwork and, and the plans and stuff for you, Rob. Uh, the, I have officially passed the ball over to you, so uh, you have the ball. But we have back on the line. Sorry about that, Doug. We didn't mean to lose you. Oh, I, I'm, I'm here. Um, we want, do you want Doug to come back? Yeah, if you could, please. Okay, okay, okay let me go get him. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to mute Mr. Saint here. 
Yeah, like I said, uh, the, the table's been set for, for Rob. So um, this is going to be an interesting shoot interview. Um, those those that are fans of shoot interviews, uh, I suggest uh, Rob's just put out a 2008 shoot interview with Al Snow, which is uh, totally amazing stuff. Uh, also, uh, Larry the Axe Hennig uh, just filmed one. Um, that's good stuff. You can check those out at rfvideo.com. Um, I will gladly plug a friend of the show, uh, Rob. He's been on a couple times, and it's been fun. Uh, we'll go back to plugging our sponsors, uh, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, you know, pretty much everything under the sun. And we will, within the next couple weeks, be coming up with some uh, special announcements as far as uh, Wrestle Warehouse is concerned. And we have back on the line, pretty boy Doug Summers. Doug, did we lose you? Okay. What I was saying, Kurt Henning was a great guy. And uh, if anyone ever saw Kurt or knew Kurt, he would take the shirt up and help anybody. And he was a great wrestler and uh, truly a dear friend. And I was sad that he uh, passed. So so would you say that, that Kurt Henning was a shoot Mr. Perfect? Oh, he could. Yeah, you got, no doubt. He, 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 uh, a lot of guys tried him, and a lot of guys went down. A lot of guys thought they were bad. They didn't know bad until he got a hold of you. And he, I'm going to tell you something. Bad in this business don't have a, a sign on them. You understand? <laughs> bad, you don't walk around with a sign saying, I'm, I'm the baddest guy here. Bad is... You get in the ring and you try me, and you're going to get hurt. And guys would, that are, we got guys in the business that can do that to you, and a lot, and most of them know who they are. And uh, they don't want to irritate them, get them mad. They don't want to get the booker mad because guess what? If you get the booker mad or the promoter mad, you're in the ring with them. And then you get a wake-up call. <laughs> and uh, every territory had them. And uh, they were they were good for every territory, and now Vince has them all. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, but Kurt was that way. Kurt uh, Kurt could definitely straighten out your attitude if you think you were bad. So, but we don't do that. We we don't have a lot of disputes in in this business because we're all trying to make a living. We're all out there doing the same thing, traveling every night. You know, when you travel. Four or five hundred thousand miles a year. You don't have time for arguments and disputes and you know attitudes and personalities. You, uh, it's in the ring and that's it. That's where it goes. Unfortunately for Kurt, uh, he couldn't get uh, his, he couldn't get too big of britches with his father being in the same territory. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, uh, <laughs> Larry was a great wrestler in the '60s and '70s, and. Uh, I refereed a lot of his matches with him and Harley Race and and when he was alone. And uh, he learned a lot from his dad, but he had no problem with his dad. Uh, He didn't have to uh, try to outdo what his father had done in the past. He was just focused on himself. Kurt never had that problem of trying to uh, be better than dad. And uh, I don't think... His father thought he was ever trying to be better than himself. He was just being Kurt. Because, you know, your fathers can be great, but, you know, sometimes you come along and you find someone that is just a lot better in another era, and that's exactly what it was. And he was more athletic, and 
and and, and more powerful, and uh, he was just good. So, who were some of the other guys to work with in uh, the AW? Because I, I remember your big your big runs, of course, with uh, the, the the Midnight Rockers, uh, Shawn Michaels, Marginetti. What other people in the AWA during your uh, your run there every Christmas did you enjoy working with? I enjoyed working with uh, I enjoyed working with Snuka. I enjoyed working with Nick Bockwinkle. He he was great. Uh, Bob Riggins was an Olympic wrestler. He was fun to work with. And um, the the crew we had at the time there when when everyone was there were all good to work with. And the guys that they brought in were uh, were fun to work with. But I, I enjoyed working with Snuka and uh, and uh, Nick Bockwinkle and. Um, you know, Kurt and Scott, they were always fun to work with. And then we had a lot of six-man tags, and they were always fun. And uh, we did a, we did a six-man out in San Francisco at the Shrine Auditorium, which was the first live satellite station uh, show, actually, from Arena that was live. And we were there, and we worked against uh, Kurt Henning, Nick Bockwinkle, and I think uh, Sean and Marty, I think it was. And it was a fabulous match. And you had to be right on. You had no time to play. One match was in. Next one was coming there. And uh, it was right down to the seconds. And no one missed a cue. I mean, we were right on time there. But that was. those were good times back then. We had a lot of guys. Even Paris. <laughs> he was fun to work with because he wanted to learn. And... Uh, he, he he did anything anybody wanted to do. All right, KZ. Yeah, I'm here, brother. I'm just, uh, trying to remember the date. It's June 26th or June 28th, 1986, and that was aired live on ESPN. Yep, so that was the first. Yeah, that was the first live show. I mean, and uh, we were all scared. We uh, we knew we were on a on a time slot, and you. I think they gave us like a, a five-second break that we could make a mistake on, and then they couldn't cover anything. So we made no mistakes, and uh, it was great. It, people were, guys were scared. Like the kids were going crazy. They didn't know. <laughs> I said, hey, it's a walk in the park. Don't worry about it. And it, it was fun. It was really fun. Oh, wow. So, um... I see you. Uh, you guys ended up dropping the straps to uh, the Rockers, and you guys were still going back and forth. And the 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 angle was still hot. The story was still hot because you know then it was you guys coming back, and you know you guys did a couple changes here and there. Um, how did you end up leaving Min- uh, Minneapolis? What well, what happened there? I left leaving Minneapolis. The reason why I left Minneapolis is Vern. Uh, the reason why everybody left Minneapolis was because of Burn. Uh, Burn was getting schizo, and he was uh, stealing more money, and uh, he didn't want to pay us for what we were worth. And it just got to a point where you uh, you just couldn't get your money, and it was bad. And he didn't care. He didn't seem the the wrestlers didn't mean anything. Uh, we were selling out buildings for 18 months and uh, he was stealing 95 cents out of every dollar 
and we did a pay-per-view in St. Paul. No one got a nickel for it. He didn't pay anybody. And it was just, you know, it was a no-win situation. You can't, you can't give everything you got and work for a thief. And so I left. And when I left, a lot of guys left. You know, they just, some stayed for a while, and then they, they left. They just couldn't take it anymore. That was the downfall of the AWA. And that was it. Was it also that Vern wasn't evolving with his product? Vern was lost. He he was he, he had nothing in his head anymore. He forgot the the he forgot what wrestling was all about and promoting was all about and the wrestlers were all about. He just, I I told you he went schizo and crazy and he come off the wall with some unbelievable thoughts and I would say, Oh, you gotta be kidding. And um, um, series. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was uh getting senile there at the end and it was, oh, he it did. was pretty sad. You know, it was sad because, you know, they would still come out here. You know, I'm in San Francisco and they would still come out here and it wasn't what it used to be and, and I think the beginning of the end was when Kurt left the New York. I, I think that broke that broke Vern. I think it really broke Vern. Because um, right after he got into bed with Lawler and Jarrett, and it kind of, you know, really screwed things up. And that was a no-win situation there. I'm telling you, it was a no-win situation. Because I, I went to, I was, uh, I got the belt back with the Russian, and we went. I matter of fact, we were in Hawaii. I went from Hawaii to San Francisco. San Francisco had to catch a red eye to, to Memphis. And I dropped the belt to Lawler and Dundee, and I knew then that it was a no-win situation. And uh, you know, it just wasn't going to work no matter what because it was going to be all Lawler and uh, Memphis territory, and Vern was going to take a back seat, and it was going to be the little men beating the giant killers, and you know, it just and it was nothing going to happen out of that. What are your thoughts on Greg Gagne? Yeah. Greg, Greg was an okay guy. I mean, he he was he was Vern's, you know, Vern's boy. But he uh, he earned it, he earned everything he got in that territory working. He worked hard. Yeah, uh, you know, no matter what guys say about Greg and I, I I, ne- I never had any problems with Greg. I respect him because I knew he had to work five times harder than anybody ever worked to get in that ring. When he had to go through the training and all the hell he went through because he was Ganya. A lot of people think he got to walk in the park because most kids that uh, are sons of promoters and wrestlers, they think they got it easy. Well, they, they really don't because they get it worse than anybody could ever imagine. And Greg earned his right. Uh, he was a Ganya. He was part of it. Uh, so, you know... You take it out on the old man, you take it out on the kid. But personally, I have no bad feelings with Greg. Uh, you can't blame Greg for his dad, doing what his, his dad did and how he was and how he is. You know? I, I couldn't get into him, uh, Greg's singles. I just I could not get into it. Now, his tag team with Jim Brunzel was legendary. Um, they were so far ahead of their time. Um, wh- what are your feelings on Jumping Jim? As, as a technician uh, in that ring, I I knew Jim when they when Jim just started, and uh, Jim was great. 
uh, I traveled Jim. I've wrestled him many a time, and uh, he was good. It it was like Sean and Marty they clicked. Buddy and I clicked. Race and Henning clicked, and Greg and Brunzel clicked. And uh, when you get that type of chemistry, nothing goes wrong. It you just get better each match, and one makes the other one look good and carries the other one, or they both carry each other and they look good. The longer they're in there and the longer they're together, the better they are. So they were both good, and they did great matches, and they worked good together. They had a, they had chemistry, and chemistry makes it right. We, we had touched on it earlier, and I, I kind of want to go back here for, uh, for a second. Um, what were your thoughts on how Dusty Rose left Florida? Because you would mentioned that uh, at the time you had a little bit of animosity toward Dusty Rhodes. I was wondering what were your opinions on uh, the way Dusty left Florida when he went up to the Crockett? Oh, I really didn't care what Dusty did anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I and let me tell you something. Dusty and Dick Murdoch, when they started out, they were kids. And I was hauling the ring in Minneapolis. That's how far we go back. I used to have their car at my house. When they would fly in, I'd bring the car to them. And when they left, I kept their car at my place. That's how far we go back. Uh, we were great friends. I had a lot of great times with them. Um, just down the road, I, you know, I had my own opinion, and I earned my right to have my own opinion, and I didn't like them. <laughs> Attitude. Well, I, I think arrogance. It was, I, I think he he milked milked uh, Eddie Graham and you know and it was you know he took what he wanted and you know he was taught properly then he took what he wanted and left and it it was just really ugly and and the thing is Dusty's never really you know had the balls to hone up to it and it really bothers me because he's done plenty of interviews all kinds of stuff on TV. Uh, Twenty-four-seven, all this other, and he's never owned up, and it he doesn't really have bothers to. me. He doesn't what? have to. Dusty's Dusty, and and the people that know him know him. You like him or you hate him. I don't hate him. I just don't care to work for him. There you, you know, go. If I had my choice to work for him and, and the devil, I go work for the devil <laughs> and get well. paid better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually. Him and the devil are both in the same company, so. <laughs> but the one, the one with the horns, you know who you're working with. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's let's talk about um, some of the TV shots that that you did for Vince. Um, I don't remember offhand of of any of the any of the guys that you were in the ring with. Um, can you can you refresh my memory of some of the some of the guys you did I worked with, with? I worked with a young a young Indian kid named Tanaka when they were trying mm-hmm. to make him something. Mm-hmm. And then I worked uh, I worked with the Undertaker when he was just a couple years in the business in with Vince. And uh, I was down there with the Hearts, and I was, and I was down there uh, with the earlier guys in the earlier years. A lot of them are not there anymore. Uh, Graham was down there. Monsoon was down there. These guys were just making their way out and getting in there. And I was just coming in, and they brought in. Um, they had. Uh, I worked with a couple guys that 
Vince was trying to get over, and uh, they didn't get over good with me. And I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> we didn't get along too good, and I just, you know, I, I couldn't go. Matter of fact, uh, I worked with uh, Tanaka one night, and you know, I just, I just had to stop him in the ring and re-educate him. And after that, he got, he didn't, uh, he got fired. <laughs> There you go. I, I, I just said, I said if you can't count, if you if you got to count to 25 and you get stopped and you can't pick up, I said you're in trouble. So I just stopped them. There you go. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, what, what's missing? What's missing, Doug? Are are those technicians that get in there and and put in a solid 10 minutes with the kids on TV? Um, I, I they don't, don't have time call for them. I, I don't I, I don't like calling them job guys. It's really not fair. It really is not. I, I prefer the term technician or mechanic. Um, they go in. They're usually the older gentlemen that have been around the business, and, and they teach these kids how to work. Um, they don't want that. Can, they don't want it. They they don't want it. That's why I didn't work for Vince. Uh, uh, I worked for Vince three times, and I begged him to let me just go in there and, and teach him wrestling, and he didn't want that. And like I said earlier... Pat Patterson and I traveled many years together when before he even got there, and he came and sat down and told me they don't want it. I said, but Pat, I said this is how you educated me. I said I want to do that. He said, I said give me nine months. He said I can't. I said well I can't. I said I can't do what you're asking me because I, you know it aggravates me. And then I go in there and I do what I want to do. I tell people when I walk out the curtain I do what Doug Summers wants to do. And that's what I did. There you go. And a lot of guys, you know, you're arrogant. You you think you can do this, you can do that. I said, I'm not arrogant. I said, I was brought up a certain way, the old way. And I said, uh, I'm not going to change. I said, if you know how to wrestle, we wrestle. If you don't, I'm going to put you in the middle of the ring and I'm going to show you holds. And I do. That's what I do. And I wrestle now. And I don't mind going 30, 40 minutes. A lot of guys in the back don't want to go 30, 40 minutes. But the longer I'm in there, but the longer I'm in there, the better I get and warmed up, and my mind's working, the computer's on, and um, you know everything works good. I don't like going five, ten minutes. I like 30, 40 minute matches. I have fun, and I show them how easy it is to go 30, 40 minutes, and I can take a crowd and, and, and cause a riot. And they're afraid I can do that or will do it in the right situations and I love showing people how to get the crowd going. So now my my I've been I've been tooting this same horn for six months that the territorial system will return, um, but on a smaller scale, more of a uh, as opposed to regional, more like state uh regional type of thing. Um, do you think that it would be possible for territories to come back and do you think that the people that will that will start these territories will will look back to ask for help from the veteran? I don't know. Uh, I'm in Georgia, and I've been down here 20 years, and there's been no major wrestling here in 20 years since Barnett got out of here, okay? Uh, there have been many, many groups coming in here and trying, and they don't have a clue. And I've been in other places, and you've got them out in California, you got small organizations trying they don't have a clue I would love to see it happen 
but I don't see it happening because there's not enough people that really want to spend the time to make it happen. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take you a good nine months to a year to get your organization going and a territory going, and you have to be able to take a hit, and you have to be willing to bring in good wrestlers. And the good wrestlers, you know, are old, older guys that uh, they don't want to bring in. And um, that's sad because I'm out here now getting my name back out, and I want to wrestle, and I'm hoping people will call and want to book me and, and bring me in because I have a lot to give to the business still. And I bring it every night that I go in the ring. I bring 40 years of experience in that ring. And people know it, and they see it, and they, they respect it, and they like it. They like to see wrestling. I think they want to see it more, but they don't know how to do it. The wrestlers now don't know how to get out there and do it. Well, if someone wants to book you on a show, Mr. Doug Summers, how can they go about getting a hold of you? They can get me on uh, my website or my email site. I believe you have it. Yes, sir. Let's get inside real quick. I'm outside getting some fresh yeah, air. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, you guys uh, have it there. All right, let me but, pull up uh, the MySpace here. Yep. Be just a second, folks. Let's go. Nice and easy. He is in my top twenty. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, of course. <laughs> I just I want people to know that I'm available to wrestle, and if they can get a hold of me, I'd be glad to. Uh, Talk to him. All they have to do is give me a plane ticket and talk money, and I'll be glad to giggle out there and and tour with him. There it is. There it is. Let's see. We have this is kind of odd. It's numbers. Uh, MySpace.com backslash. This is going to be fun. I only have numbers, folks. Three one two five five zero two seven two six. That's the MySpace Come Free here. Boy Doug Summers. Um, you could also get a link to uh, Doug's MySpace on the Rubber Guard Radio MySpace. Um, there it is. Uh, do you happen to have an email address as well, or is it do just all through your MySpace? Yeah, it's uh, Doug Summers. Oh, no, I don't want to keep uh, the email address. I've uh, got my real name in there. Okay, cool. All yeah. right, we won't do that. So, uh, you can but they, in, uh, they can get a hold of me that way. That way. And, uh, or uh, you, can, you can find Doug on my MySpace as well. He will be added to my top friends. So if you want to uh, book uh, Mr. Summers for uh, seminars, hello, promoters, seminars, as well as uh, booking him on shows, um, I'm pretty sure you do autograph sessions or I'm doing one. or whatnot. Yeah. I'm doing one in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey on uh, July 25th and 26th. I'm in Cherry Hill, New Jersey with uh, Jake Roberts, Santana, and a few other wrestlers. There you go. And, uh, and, I, and I'm getting I out also, that way. I also hear through the grapevine that you will be hooked up with Mr. Rob Feinstein. You will be filming a shoot interview, which should be a blast. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh That's going to be fun. Uh, Rob knows his shit, and yeah, pardon my language, sir, but... You know, he does know his stuff, so I, I can't put Rob over enough. Uh, Rob, Rob's a good friend of the show, and, and he's going to uh, drag out a lot more than we were able to in, in this hour and hour and a half or so that we've been on. 
Um, well, I appreciate it. I mean, I enjoy talking to you guys. I, I enjoy talking to all the radio stations I've been doing. They've been uh, real good about everything. I, what I will do and always do is speak the truth. I have nothing to lie about. What I've done in my life, I'm not ashamed of. Who I've worked with, who I don't like, I don't hide anything. Oh, um, wow. After 40 years, I have, no, I have no bridges to burn. <laughs> <laughs> As they say, you could burn a bridge. I burn them all. I can't burn no more. <laughs> and, I, and I'm still going. I'm 56 years old, and, I'm, and I still love wrestling. I still love getting hit. I still love getting pounded on, and I love pounding back. And when I hit you, if you don't hit me as hard as I hit you, the next one I'm going to knock you right into the ground. And that's the way I am. Now, now before we go, uh, my tag team partner that's on the line, Alex Saint, he's he's just breaking in the business. He has a handful of matches under under his belt. Do you have any advice for for Mr. Saint breaking in? Learn your learn learn to wrestle. Learn how to learn how to hit, and learn to remember one thing: the people in the nosebleed section, they have to be able to see it, hear it, and feel it. And if you can't deliver those three things, get out of the ring. There you go. Because you're not, you're just not wrestling to the people in the front two rows or three rows. You're wrestling to the people that are in the nosebleed section if they're there. If you're fortunate enough to work in front of fifteen, twenty thousand people, those people in the top have to be entertained as well as the front row. And I always make it my personal promise that you will definitely see it and hear it and feel it because when I hit you across the chest you're definitely going to hear it and feel it and you're going to know that boy I just nailed got nailed <laughs> and that's if you he go. can remember those if he can remember that then he, he he's on the right track and learn how to wrestle tremendous well there you go Alex you and I have just uh been an hour or so under under another learning tree. Doug, it was my pleasure having you on, brother. Thank you. I thank you for the time, and I thank you for the listeners, and if anyone wants me, please contact me. I'll be more than happy to do an autograph session or a seminar or come out and wrestle, and I would rather come out and wrestle because I, I am still doing what I do best, and I thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Not a problem. Thank you, Doug. It was my pleasure. Guys, go out there. Doug is now in my top ten MySpace friends. Contact him. He would love to work with the young kids. He wants to teach. He wants to Yes, share. I do. Mr. Stein, thank you for your time, brother. I really appreciate it. Alex, thank you for being the go-between for me. I really appreciate it. Mr. Right, Summers, hopefully we can... Uh, Hopefully we can have you on after you you film your interview with Rob and and we can get that plugged up you know pretty strong. Um, I'd like to uh, you know see that get out because your story is a very special one and you know honestly this interview has touched me um, since I you know grew up watching you. You know you're you're one of one of my favorites. I've always enjoyed your work. You know and well, and, I would, and thank you. I would be more than happy to uh, talk with you guys again anytime you want me. Call me. Feel free to call me, and uh, I'll be glad to uh, do another show. Thank you, sir, and we will be talking to you very soon. Mr. Saint? Okay. If you like, you can call back in. Uh, okay. Okay. <clears throat>
Alrighty, Thank guys. You, Thank you, Doug. Okay. Wow. We just went an hour with the pretty boy Doug Summers. Um, what more can I say? Uh, looks like uh, we had a miscommunication with uh, Mr. Primetime. So uh, looks like uh, we may have to uh, schedule MPT uh, very soon. He uh, does have a show coming up on the 26th of July in uh, Orville, California. Um, I think it's, don't quote me on this, but it's PCWrestling.com or PCWrestling.com. Uh, they have a pretty interesting uh, uh, product. Uh, Mr. Primetime is one guy that you need to go out of your way and see. Um, well, I have back on the line my tag team partner, Alex Saint. Wow, what more can I say? Yeah, that was a wow. That was a good interview. Jeez, I'm I'm itching to to see that shoot with that Rob does with him. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're off the cuff here at Rubber Guard Radio. We just you know go go all out. We don't have a format, but I'm sure that Rob will start from the beginning and work his way all the way down. Um, that's going to be good. Um, geez, what did you learn from today's lessons, Mister Saint? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey. Summers had a had a hell of a career. Oh my God! I, I, you know, to be honest, I did not know that he broke in with Vern. I did not know. I thought he actually broke in in Georgia, but <laughs> you know, little did I know. Unbelievable. Learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, wait, wow. and then some. You know, I mean, I, I wish I, I could record the conversations that I have with these guys. You know, lining them up for the show. You know, but you know, I, I choose to you know have everything for the listeners, but. Doug, I before I had him on, you know, we, we sat down, we talked for a good twenty minutes, and you know, it was just an amazing discussion. And, and I was like, oh my god, this interview is going to knock me off my feet again. You know, this guy's going to do it again. I thought Al Snow was was you know really good. This was up uh-huh. there. So, uh, did you get a chance to listen to the Al, Al Snow show? Yeah, I did. I listened. Well, I listened to the Al Snow show interview. I didn't listen to the Al Snow show. Ah, oh, you're fired. <laughs> The Al Snow show was fun. It was, you know, that that one was, that, that show was for me. Never mind the listeners. Sorry, guys, but that show was for me. Al is one of my personal favorites, and, you know, I, I got to sit and, and talk with him for a solid two hours, and it was just amazing stuff. And um, you guys can get the archives at uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash rubberguardradio. Uh, for the current archives and the past archives, you can get at rubberguardradio.com. Uh, well, I got you on the line, Alex. Plug away. Um, MySpace.com, backslash the insane, uh, NewWayProWrestling.com, and uh, I guess those are my plugs. There you go. Uh, Alex does like to work weekends, so uh, hit him up if you're anywhere in the Southern California area or Mexico. He will uh, definitely take a trip to Tijuana, too. Mexico. So, <laughs> hey, come on. You, you, and, uh, you and Ryan Stone down there. Oh uh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, but... <laughs> from uh, from uh, what I hear, uh, you guys uh, you guys seem to uh, boil the blood of uh, certain Mexicans in Southern California. Oh, so, I wasn't in that match. Well, you were supposed to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're doing it. We're doing it up in LA though. September. Yep, September. That should be fun. Uh, what what stadium are they doing at? Is, is that the uh, Olympics? Oh, really? Yeah, the Olympics, yeah. 
Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You can get uh, more news on that at SoCalProWrestling.com. Um, well, that's it. I'm going to hang you up. I'm going to do some plugs, and we're going to cut the show off early since uh, my dumbass obviously didn't send Mr. Primetime the phone number. So I'm an <laughs> idiot. But, you know, what, what, what can I do? Alex, thanks for coming back, brother. And I will be talking to you soon. All right. That was uh, Alex Saint, my tag team partner. Uh, he's been out and about doing his thing. Holy shit. Doug Summers. What more can I say? Fucking interview and then some. Uh, let's run down the plugs. FogCityWrestling.com. Um, for those that don't know, they canceled their show this coming weekend, and they will have a major announcement uh, about the uh, August 1st. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but you know they're, they're in uh, talks and discussions and other things that they're going to have local TV, which should be fun. Uh, there hasn't been local TV out here since the Roy Shire uh, uh, territory, uh, San Francisco. Uh, there was a short-lived uh, Bay Area wrestling with uh, Woody Farmer, but that was really short. Um, but, uh, yeah, once again, <sighs> SoCalProWrestling.com. Uh, you can get us on MySpace, uh, MySpace.com backslash RubberGuardRadio. Uh, for the current archives, that would be BlogTalkRadio.com backslash RubberGuardRadio. I I must tell you, you have to listen to the house Snow show it was just just an amazing trip um just good stuff uh you can get our past archives episodes one through 32 on our website rebelguardradio.com that has not been updated in a while um you know we've been uh busy with real life stuff so um you know health issues and family issues and all that other good stuff um uh once again uh wrestlewarehouse.com i i can't say enough about jeff uh he's a good guy go out there uh, spend your money, and uh, within the next couple weeks, uh, Rubber Guard Radio and Wrestle Warehouse will be making a major announcement on the air about some uh, projects that we have lined up. But uh, that'll do it. This coming Thursday, we will have the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez on the first hour. In the second hour, we will have the newest WWE developmental signee, Mr. Brian Cage. And that's it from here. Good night, guys.